Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. Welcome back, everybody, to the fifth installment of a Big Cinnamon Someday Beer Discussion. I'm your host, Keith, Big Cinnamon Piper, coming back at you live here from Somerville, Massachusetts. Got a big episode here today. This is going to be the first episode that gets uploaded to iTunes minutes after the discussion. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, the Nor'easter Sportscast is now on iTunes, the iTunes podcast store. So if you would do me a huge favor and the Nor'easter Sportscast family, a huge favor is go over to podcasts. Please subscribe. That only helps us out. It only helps us grow the channel. And uh, listen to good, some good stuff. Uh, me and Kyle opened up week one with uh, some good takes, some bad takes. We'll recap that with you this Sunday here at 8 a.m. But it's uh, very exciting times. You know, it, it took a while to get up on iTunes, but things are moving here in the right direction. And I'm ex- excited to kind of get everything going here. Of course, none of this would not be possible. Would none of this would be possible? Uh, wouldn't. Anyway, want to thank my sponsor, Papa Bears, kind of healthy nut butters. Go over to the website ilovepapabear.com. They have the original churro butter. They have the new nanner butter. I kind of like the way that just rolls off the tongue. Nanner butter, nanner nutter butter. Love it. And they have my personal favorite, the toasted coconut cashew butter. So the website is I Love Papa Bear. The Instagram and Twitter is Eat Papa Bears. Go on, get yourself some good stuff. Be the hero of the home. Be the hero of your office. It's the only where, only place in the world where you can get free range, cage free, wild caught. So that is the website I Love Papa Bear dot com. All all. All shipping is free for all orders over $70. Um, you know, probably your first order isn't going to be 70 but, you know, after after you have some of this nutter butter, my goal here is to have all the Nor'easter Sportcast listener kind of sell out the Papa Bears family store. So thanks again to Papa Bears for making this happen. So getting right into... You know, episode five, for those that uh, have paid attention or have, have looked at the title, I kind of called it like the part one wrap up. Uh, over the last four weeks, we've talked about um, a lot of certain things that kind of all blend together. That would be uh, that would be just the way he, 
we have changed in consuming sports. Uh, we talked a little bit about the money, the business side of, of sports, the sports industry, and we got really into TV contracts there. And then the third episode, we we talked about just sports media in general, and you know, kind of how, kind of get an understanding of what's going on with them right now because of the sports contracts and the way that we're consuming sport. And then on the fourth installment, we talked a little bit about gambling and how gambling has has had its hand in each of those pots, or, or it can be found in, in those things those themes can be kind of talked about with how we consume sports with, you know, the money behind sports and at the end sports media and how uh, we have created a whole secondary market for, for the demand of understanding more about the sports gambling and betting on sports and everything that has followed that umbrella. So I, I wanted to kind of just wrap this subsector up here today uh, just because I want to get onto other themes. I want to get uh, onto other topics. Like I really want to dig in to the NCAA and talk about the hypocrisies and a lot of things that play into amateur athletics. I, I think that would be a, uh, I could make a nice three or four episode um, discussion just on the NCAA being a former, you know, I'll give, I'll give myself Division One athlete. You know, it's a D1 AA, played offensive line in the University of Albany. But I, being a college athlete, uh, I actually have a master's in higher education administration, which I made my main my main thesis of taking a whole holistic understanding and view on on college athletics. It's something I want to touch upon there. And I just didn't want to just go right in there. I kind of want to try to wrap this up in a nice, cute little bow and kind of put it on the shelf that we can return to later. Now, I don't know how to wrap presents. So if it's anything like it, uh, like my presents come around Christmas time, this could end up in a complete and utter disaster. But the idea is maybe take a look at things in a chronological order or just or most, you know, most recent or recent memory for me or just just look at my lifespan and the things that have happened that have changed the sports world and try to wrap this up in where we can start, start seeing things change from maybe, you know, the late 1990s and the early 2000s to where it is now kind of try to get a holistic understanding of how all these factors when it comes to technology and how we consume sports is changing the way of sports media and contracts and gambling and kind of, how it all meshes together, how it is all a perfect storm or it has all impacted the way that we view view athletics on a day in, day out basis to you know, where where it is today. So that that's the idea of the episode today and we'll we'll see how it goes. So when kind of doing the, the production notes and kind of think about where I want to start this conversation, I, you know, ironically, I don't know if it's ironically or just the way things happen, but really, really the start of when I started getting to sports, uh, I believe the, the first time, you know, I went to the Eagles or start paying attention to sports on TV was around that late 1990, early 2000 uh, time frame, you know, 
during this, you know, I remember like third, fourth grade, it was the big home run derby between, you know, Samuel Sosa and Mark McGuire, them 66 and 72, it, it kind of the peak of the baseball era and the steroid era. Uh, I mean, those things aren't independent. Like the peak of baseball was the peak of steroids. And, and there was a reason why the commissioner of baseball overlooked overlooked the steroid area because it, the, the sport has never been more popular. But anyway, that's not the point of this episode. But, you know, I, I feel like in the last 20 years, there have been two huge things that have changed, technological advancements that have changed the way that we view sports and, the, and that really changed the whole landscape of, uh, of sports. The first installment was the introduction of high definition. And the second installment uh, was social media. So high definition uh, became, or the first televised game was in 1998. It was, I think it was the opening day of baseball. I want to say it was the Rangers and the White Sox um, in, in Texas. This was, this was the introduction of the first televised or high definition televised game. The Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl was until 2000. Right. And in between 1998 and really between between 98 and 2006 or that eight year time period, high definition had become standardized. Right. By 2006, most TVs came with a high definition package. You know, that could be the 720p uh, or the 1080i or the uh, 1080p. I know the first high definition television my family got was uh, in 2003 because I remember playing I remember playing uh, Madden 2004 with uh, with Michael Vick on the cover on our our it was one of those big box TVs like the Toshiba box it wasn't the flat like let's not forget there was a time where TVs weighed a ton like TVs were heavy like I mean if they didn't destroy that that TV is still in my old parents' house just because they didn't feel like moving the bastard because by the time we moved, you know, they got, they had three, you know, two or three flat screens since then. But the, the original high definition TVs before the flat screens were the big box set, you know, and, and they were the heavy suckers, but the, the, it was, it was one of the, I mean, it was a game changer, right? Because, the TV for my family was we had a basement and the basement was really my friend's fuck around area because my parents don't want them near the nice shit. So all, all the, all the shit that could get destroyed got in the basement, but the, the high definition TV was down there. So like Sunday, Sundays, the basement was game day. That's where we watched the game because you cannot, I mean, you cannot watch things on high definition and then go watch them on reg- like regular definition. Like it, it's impossible. I if you do it, you're you're a complete psychopath. I don't I don't know how you do that. But high definition changed the game, uh, or changed the games in general of how we view, it, especially for football, because when high definition started to get introduced, the TV product became better than the live product. And I think you could almost say that about a lot of sports. I mean, same with basketball, you know, the TV product was really good. You get to see a lot of angles. It really changed the way we watched hockey. I mean, before high definition came on, 
you know, I remember watching hockey on like ABC with the little blue halo around the puck because the video quality was so shitty. The video quality was so shitty that you you didn't know where the hell the puck was. I mean, the puck is the most important part of the hockey game, and you couldn't see it on standard de- definition television. So high definition, kind of between 1998 and I would say more of the early 2000s, right? Really in the early 2000s, uh, did, did we start seeing the switch to more high definition. You know, and at the same time, I feel like broadband internet has started to become more popular around this time too. I mean, you know, all these middle school, high school, even college kids now, do they even know what the sound of like AOL, like that, that dial up, like little, I mean, back in the day, my family only had one phone line and I would use that the whole night just so I could go on aim. Like these kids don't even know what aim is. They all instant messenger. They're like, what the fuck is this? You know, like things change so fast, but I don't even lost my train of thought, but you know, think the way that we're that we started to view sports with high definition made made the the TV product extremely good and even better than what um, even what you would do on the live and current. And because of that, I think I think we started a this was the start of these TV deals getting kind of crazy, right? So, you know. 1998, kind of the start of, of this high-definition cycle. You know, m- most of your uh, major networks kind of introduced the TV, you know, re-signed for new TV contract for eight years. So that would put them to 1996. And then again, in 2004, a lot of these, these contracts got renewed. The same time, NBC came back in the picture, you know, with Thursday Night Football getting introduced in 2002 and the NFL became or started working even more like a business. I mean, it was always professional sports are always a business, but you know, with these TV contracts and with the quality of the video and the quality of the product online or on on your television set uh, per se, I, in my opinion, the quality became so good that, that people started to watch more. And what you had is the internet was evolving during this time. TV was evolving. And then you implement things like the NFL network and, oh, hey, here's fantasy football. And everything started to build together at the same pace. And it started to build really fast because the internet enabled this way to kind of consume the product, right? So, at the, at the end of the day, I think uh, when we talked about gambling, you know, I think CBS and Yahoo introduced fantasy football on the Internet around that early 2000 time as well. So at the same time now, the picture on the TV is getting better. You're getting more involved in the game. You can actually start seeing the faces of these players. You can actually see the whole game all together. Um, and it started to build, and, and then you implement this fantasy football now, and now more people are interested in not just their favorite team's game, but a number of different players. So in, in this early 2000s, that's when you start seeing the, the tickers on the bottom of your screen with, like, the player stats and, and everything on that umbrella because there became more of a demand for 
to, to kind of know what the, what the hell is going on other than the game that you're watching. You know, for the most part, here's a, here's, here's a new flash for some of you millennial shits. You know, most, you know, m- most older fans like the teams in their local market. And the reason is because is that's the game they got. You know, it's not so much like that anymore, especially with everything that's available. Um, speaking of which, I'm going to divert. We're talking about TV. I, I tried. I'm an Eagles fan, but I wanted to go in the red zone because I had a bunch of fantasy football players. And here they, they took away my red zone package because one of these motherfucker Comcast guys called me like three months ago saying, I have a, they have a great deal for me. They have a great deal for me. They have a great deal for me. So I'm like, dude, just shut the hell up. Is anything going to change my current cable package? They said no. They said, no, but you're going to give me more movie channels. All right, fuck it. Let's do it. So I did it. And then three months now, I, I try to go on Red Zone's channel, and it's not there. And then I had to call up Comcast. It's like, well, we canceled that the last update. And then they charged me more money to get the, the goddamn Red Zone channel back. I'm like, you guys are fucking assholes. But anyway, there's the Big Cinnamon rant of the day while we're talking about TV and sports. Fucking Comcast. But take it over the world, too. They're assholes. Anyway. So, we're talking about, you know, fantasy football now introduced into Yahoo. And I, I remember when I first started doing um, fantasy football, I don't know if we were even, we might have been given the option to do it online. But it was kind of like, or each person sits at home and drafts, but like we did it in person. Like we, we manually put each person in each team. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but now like you'll be lucky to get two or three guys into the same room out doing a fancy draft. I mean, it, I, um, a couple, what, two, two episodes ago, I, I did a fun like kind of conference call that we recorded here uh, on the Northeaster with all, one of my fantasy football leagues. That was a lot of fun. And, that interaction is fun for me when, when you talk about the draft and whatnot. But, um, you know, again, we're talking about this perfect storm of the quality of, uh, of the product on television, the fantasy football and how that has implemented uh, a game. I mean, it is a gambling. I mean, it's a soft gambling. It's not a hard gambling, but it introduced a gambling type it made gambling more accessible to more people. I, I feel like that's the case. I mean, and with technology, the accessibility has even increased further down the line now that there are, doubt, you know, hundreds of thousands of bookie sites online that can get around, around but we'll, we'll get there. Um, so gambling made it more accessible. Things have been growing, growing, growing. And then, you know, around that 2005, 2006, 2007, where now the culture, we're, we're getting used to the high definition. We're getting used to viewing the product, a very, a very quality product on the TV. We're getting used to having this fantasy football or this type of gambling culture. And then you, you, you introduce social media. So it started with MySpace, but nobody fucking cares about MySpace anymore. I mean, that was the shit back in the day. But, you know, it, for me, and I think for a majority of this country, it, it started with Facebook. I mean, some, some, some stats here. So back in like 2005, 
you know, only 7% of all adults in the U.S. and 10% of Internet users were using social media. This is back in 2005. And then if you want to fast forward that 10 years, by 2015, you have 69% of the adults and 76% of Internet users in the U.S. using social media. I mean, with, with 350 million Americans, you from 7% the 69, 70% of the population. I mean, it, it's, it's an unbelievable boom. It, it's, it's a type of, it's a type of boom that in an industry that I don't think we've really ever seen before. So now with social media, you know, with your Facebooks and your Twitter and whatnot, consumer, we started, we, we could start discussing the game more. We could start consuming the product in a little different fashion. I mean, I still think a lot of these sports teams are trying to trying to figure out how the hell they can capitalize on social media. I mean, but and you see like Periscope and I, uh, like Facebook Live is now doing some of the press conferences on there on team homepage and everything like that. So th- these teams are trying to trying to you know get you more engaged because that's what we've been demanding. But you know it kind of all happened at once. And then when you, you go look back on your TV contract, so the growth of social media has changed in our consumer habits almost, almost on a year to year basis. Like our year to year trends are always changing. And, and one, as we discussed back with the TV contract in episode two, what, what we're seeing, the, the, these TV contracts for the NBA, the NFL and the AHL and MLB, they're, they're, they're long contracts. So they're, they're, they're six-year contracts, they're eight-year contracts, they're 10 years contracts. So when you implement a social media that, that is rapidly changing how we're consuming the sport and how we're interacting with each other, and that, that the technology bubble, they, they say technology is almost like one of those swirl circles, right? So you start on the outside, and each revolution can kind of gets faster and faster and faster and faster until you're in the middle, where it's almost rapidly and I feel we're getting close to that circle right now where things are happening so fast that the old school way of, of these TV, uh, these TV deals uh, and these partnerships with your major, major sporting, uh, sporting associations or organizations or whatever the hell you want to call it, they're, they're always behind the ball. So, I mean, in 2011, NBC... ABC, Fox, all these guys kind of were started the renegotiation package. And I think in 2013, they, they finalized. But by the time they started the negotiation and they finalized, so when that money actually kicked in, you, you have about five years in, in the type of society and culture that we are now that things are rapidly changing every two. So you, you're basically – your, your, the business model that you start negotiating the price of these games or, or these, these networking broadcasting fees are really five years behind the trend before they're even implemented. And after two to three years, they're, they're basically obsolete, even though you're, you're in that contract for eight years altogether. So by the third year of the contract, it's really you're really five to seven years behind of what you actually should be or what the, the contract should look like based on the consumer's demand. And 
and that's why we saw our ESPN struggle. That's why, that's why ESPN had a route they wanted to take, and they took more of a social stance route rather than uh, uh, a sports type of a sports analyst, a sports highlight type of route, just because they ideally would like to do both, but they're, they're fucking hemorrhaging money right now. And, and there's a lot of factors that go into it, but one of them, the reasons they, they bought the, the stupid bit of contract for Monday night football that cost them $2 billion and they're not making it up. They're, they're not making it up. So it, it, Everything is a perfect storm that kind of builds off each other, builds off each other, builds off each other. It's not just one thing. It is the, the, the product of the television introducing the popularity of fantasy football in a world now that we can communicate better with everybody. And at the same time, it's, it's, con, it's changing our consumer habits at a very rapid rate and rapid pace because of of the technology advances in this country, especially on the social media front. I mean, of who would have thought, who would have thought like 10, like 10, 12 years ago, who would have thought that Instagram would be as popular as it was? I mean, who would have thought there would be a demand that I, I can post pictures of my fucking dinner every night for, for a week. And everybody's like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm going to like that. You know, it, it's amazing how, I mean, a little how self-absorbed we got, but but a lot of how how our culture has has changed. And as we talked a, a little bit with, I think it was in episode one about our behaviors. That's why everybody, all these sports organizations, at the same point, have been making a push to shorten the games a little bit, just because technology has really shortened our attention span. So. I saw a report that, like, I think this past week one of the NFL, like in 2017, like six games were under three hours. And the NFL was thrilled about this because for a very long time, length of the football game was a big issue. I mean, it took them up to this year to finally fix the commercial kickoff commercial three and out punt commercial. You know, the, the, like the triple or touchdown touchdown, extra point, commercial, kickoff, commercial, and then you have the series of game. I mean, it took them until now to figure that out, which is kind of absurd, but, you know, all, all these sports organizations now are making a shift to try to shorten their game because the way we're consuming the sport and technology has really changed the way that we look at sports, uh, shorten our bandwidth, and we're more involved with more games so that's the introduction of the red zone, and a lot of that has to do with fantasy football. A lot of that is because the internet now has made it so easier to host, you know, they're illegal gambling sites, but, I mean, no, but nobody really gives a shit. I, I don't really think. I mean, I, I think the stat is somewhere, I think the, you know, $4 billion, you know, Vegas does about $4 billion in legal sports betting on a year-to-year basis, but the estimates is that's, you know, that's only one or one to 5% of the total amount that's being bet on throughout the country. So their estimates are everywhere from 150 to $400 million. We don't really know of how much people are actually betting on sports throughout this country, but 
it's easier now with with broadband internet and uh, fiber optic cables and how how fast information is moving and, and huge data centers that you know there there are local bookies that that actually have websites now you, you no longer need to go you know to the sketchy ass bar and, you know you know the little kink like you know little gambling bars or little you know you don't have to do that anymore you can do it from you can do that from work you know <laughs> you can do that from work now so i mean it everybody you know everybody is getting consumed so much more into you know into the sports and i think i mentioned this in last last week's episode and it's probably one of the reasons why i want to get into the ncaa is that you know Last week during game day, they 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 showed the spread. I mean, I, I was I, I get it for the NFL. I get it for CBS and NFL Network and Fox. To, if they're doing the, they show the spreads of the games because that kind of fits their narrative. Because they are professional athletes, you know. But to have it on an amateur sport now that you're showing the spreads and that you're ha- you're actually taking up a good amount of your section, you know betting on 18 to 20 year old kids that that was that kind of shocked me that kind of shocked me altogether but it it it, it goes back to the sports media is just doing whatever it's can it can to fit a demand or fit the interest of their population or the demographic that they're trying to reach and what has grown in popularity over the last couple of years is gambling and betting lines and everything is in that nature. So the sports media now has to try to capture that because they're, they're begging, <laughs> they're begging for views because they put contracts on, they put these terrible contracts based on 2011 models to try to capture the audience for, for, uh, a type of demographic that is rapidly changing every two to three years. So I, I know it's a lot I, and it's not just one thing, but it is a huge snowball of shit that has come together and is basically, we were at the mercy of these sports medias for, for forever now. And now with advancement technologies, you know, I have a platform here where I'm directing going right to use so, and I'm not an idiot. I'm not the only one. I'm probably the least original one out there. But now we, because technology has advanced, because it's easier to get your voice out through social media, even YouTube's, and you introduce sites like Patreon, where you're really, you're really trying to appease to the the ad home creator, or, and it's easier for consumers to really go out there and find the type of people they want to listen to it, it we're finally able to throw these shit snowballs back at the sports media and say like look at we don't like what you're doing we don't like what you're doing we're going to go somewhere else we have all these options now and, and now the sports media you know all your major news or major sports cast centers are trying to flip the script on us and start appeasing to us in a way that they capture our audience back. So it's a bat, it's like, it's a huge tennis match back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, trying to predict what the consumer wants consumer it shifting their habits to what they like. And then, then media outlets then shift in what, 
what the trend's for, and it's kind of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and yeah, so that's that's kind of where we are right now. So it, for me personally, it all started with this huge trend started in, you know, around the 2000s, late 1990s, early 2000s, you know, technology started to advance, started to creep up, more and more became accessibility. I mean, this accessibility and this theme is not going to be a new theme that comes about uh, throughout all these discussions that, that we have, the, the big sentiments hump day beer discussion. By the way, I'm not having a beer now. I'm drinking ice cold water, but I did have a nice German beer, a little Polsner here for, for dinner. Just one, but it's getting that time of year, you know, football, that, that crisp, not hot, not cold, but that perfect football air getting back, getting back, you know, it's, you know, it's, my girlfriend loves that bullshit pumpkin beer. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. With the sugar rim, we, what we do is we put the, the top in honey, and, and then we dump it into, like, a sugar rim, and then we pour it. And honestly, it's not bad. It's pretty good. I, I feel guilty buying this shit. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I go in the store, and I, I feel like I'm being judged for buying the pumpkin beer because I'm judging myself mostly, but it's pretty it's pretty good, pretty good. But I, I, I couldn't do a pumpkin beer tonight. I, I went with uh, a good, uh, a good German beer. How do you like that for an accent? Anyway, back at it again. So, here we are. Everybody knows you never go full retard. You went full retard, man. Never go full retard. <laughs> it's one of my favorite clips. I'm sorry. Anytime I can play it, I will. Um, but yeah, so over, I mean, what we've seen over the last 20 years, things are shifting and changing at a very rapid pace. And it has changed. Technology has really changed everything, every type of aspect in the way that we're the sports world, the way we're consuming sports, the way that, that these sports contracts are being being bidded for the way sports media is now trying to adjust to to our consumers because technology is is changing our consumer habits and the accessibility gambling has now had and the demand for this I mean the secondary market market when it comes to gambling you know your daily fantasy sports your fantasy football your daily lines and you know I'm sure. I'm sure there's going to be a type of gambling or something that, that gets introduced to the market space that's going to change that as well. So there, there, there are, all these changes are coming kind of in a wave together. It, it, it's not just a singular event. You know, technology, I feel, is, is pushing, pushing all these things at, at the same rate you know, when it comes to development, when it comes to change, when it comes to kind of, kind of the waves crashing down and that water getting recycled and, and kind of this rinse and repeat type of motion, that technology is, is the enabler 
that that is changing is allowing us to change a lot of our habits, a lot of the ways that we look at sports in, in that direction. So that's I think that's it for my wrap up. You know, I don't I don't need to go. I don't think I need to go too far into this. This is not supposed to be. I I, I don't think I introduced anything that would that I haven't talked about or touched upon the first four episodes. Now, if this is the first big cinnamon big cinnamon discussion you're listening to here today, um, I would advise you to go back, go back, uh, listen to episode one, listen to episode two, three, four, because um, they all start painting this picture. You know. For me, uh, for me, I like to I like to look at things at a holistic a, a holistic picture. You know, I I you can you can try to tailor. It's easy to tailor any conversation or all any statistics to slant one way of your views or another. I, we see this in just news and media altogether. But I, I think the value of what I'm trying to do here is trying to paint a pic, picture, kind of show overarching themes. Um, you know, it's not just black and white. There's a lot of gray area with a lot of things that are happening within this country when it comes to business, when it comes to kind of trying to predict what the hell the future has to store. So that, that's that, that's the part of these. And what's different with the Big Cinnamon Hour here, uh, it, it's supposed to be different from, you know, our, our Sunday show is great with me and the coach, and we're going to bring on some callers, and it's going to be, it's going to be a good show, but that is geared towards, you know, NFL Sundays and talking about, you know, the last week in sports and predicting the future and whatnot. That's where our, that's where our discussion, that's where we have value. That's where we have power, but I'm a single man show here and not, I'm not trying to take over, nor do I, I really think, you know, I think one man hot takes necessarily not to bounce them off. I don't think that's, this is a proper channel to do something like this. So the, for me, I want to keep it high level. I want to keep uh, trying to give a general understanding of what's going on. And I might take a week off here, a week, week or two off here, because I really want to develop the next couple episodes around the NCAA. And I have some um, some ideas in my mind. I might be touching on just just the money of the NCAA first or the TV, maybe go back to the TV contracts of the NCAA and maybe start getting to discussions of how do we fix it? What are we seeing? You know, what are the arguments against? So, so there's some ideas around the next couple episodes that, that I actually want to want to produce and actually get some, get some notes and do a good amount of research for, because that's really where my passion is. But for the time being, I hope you enjoyed part one of the big cinnamon show Again, episode one was just talking about how we, how our consumer or how our behaviors and the way we consume sports have changed. Episode two was looking more of uh, the business side, in particular TV contracts of sports. Episode three, sports media. Episode four was, you know, the gambling side uh, of uh, of sports. And today we got the wrap up show that tries to put things in a chronological order in a way that we can see that it, it was a perfect storm, a perfect wave that has come over together that has really shifted and shaped the way we're consuming sports now. So without further ado, again, if you're listening to this, us here, please give us a like, give us a five, 
guys, really how you help us grow is um, give a five-star rating. So uh, I think what I'm going to do here, if you give the Nor'easter Sportscast five-star radio, I'll give you a shout-out on the next big seminar show. If you have questions, comments, concerns, I will read it all. So if you want to bash me, I hope you don't break my heart like that. But if you want to bash me, go ahead. If you have a comment or something that you would like to add to one of these discussions, I'll be more than happy to do that. So please go on to the Northeast Sportscast on iTunes, on the podcast. Please give us a five-star rating. Please give us a uh, push the subscribe button. Again, I want to thank you to my sponsor, Papa Bear's Kinda Healthy Nut Butters. That website is ilovepapabear.com. And I'll talk to you boys and girls Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, week two of the NFL. Me and the coach are going to be back at it again. And we're just going to have some fun with it. We've got a really good show lined up for you. So I thank you all for listening. You have a great night. Bye-bye.